Hey everybody, this is Robert. This is Wayne. And I'm Mike. And this is the second episode of the Freethinkers podcast. Episode number two. All right, Mike, mm-hmm. can you tell us once more, Freethinkers of Clarksville, what yeah. do we mean when we say Freethinkers? Sure, we can remind everybody every time yeah. that a Freethinker is somebody who evaluates all the different opinions they have by their own merit and not by any sort of biases they might have against the position itself. It's just kind of like trying to have an open mind. It's like trying to, but realizing that most of the stuff you hear is crazy, but you got to shift through and make a really, you know, All right. sound judgment. And free thinkers of Clarksville, what does it mean to be of Clarksville? Oh, I'll take this one. Yeah. Wayne, uh, so Clarksville-related issues, right, guys? Right. We want to we want to dig through the the concepts and the topics that are being discussed within our local community. We want to find some really good arguments, and then we're going to come on this show, and us three, we're going to present them, and then we're going to argue them based on the first pitch that you get. So we're going to pitch it to our friends here. They're going to take a stance, and then that other member of our group is going to take the opposite stance. So the opinions expressed here are not directly solely our opinions. Right. We're just trying to steel man these arguments against each other, pros and cons. Steel man, that's a term I think I've heard used before. Mike, though, for anyone who hasn't used the term steel man, could you explain what that means? Sure. That means to describe somebody's argument by giving them the most charity that you can. So if they make a comment that um, you might say they're they're making a uh, particular argument that you might not agree with. What you do to decide whether or not it's a worthwhile argument is format the best argument you can in support of that position uh, and then see where it goes from there. Okay. So I'll be uh, starting our conversation today with a uh, local story that covers uh, some tragic accidents, but we're not going to go too deep detailed in that, but just some solutions to those problems. I'm talking about the five pedestrians that were killed in wrecks so far this year in Clarksville. All right. I'll be covering a uh, proposed tax holiday on food purchases in restaurants that's being considered by the Tennessee government. Mm, That sounds very interesting. I will be covering the House Bill 0323, but I do want to warn you guys, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball based off the comment. I do want to educate the populace to this bill, but my argument's going to be a little off topic from what you think it is. Okay, thanks for the heads up. No problem. Round one, fight. It's a common problem that we hear a couple times a year about pedestrians getting hit by cars. We don't have a lot of safe way for people to cross the streets and things here in, here in town. They're working on it and it's getting better. But this year has been a little bit worse. There's been... Uh, five fatalities so far, as we were discussing earlier. So while I was looking through this article, um, people started talking about solutions. Solutions and how we can minimize these, uh, the impact that, I guess the actual impacts, but minimize the accidents that people have. And someone right. had a unique idea that I wanted to share here and get you an evaluation here. This is the quote from the article, okay? He says, we have two choices here. This is the individual that's commenting on Clarksville now on the topic here it says we're going to ban high capacity vehicles and then ban people so if we ban (laughs) 
high capacity vehicles will have no vehicles on the road and then we'll also have no people on the road which will then result in exactly zero pedestrians killed in in collisions which okay. it's hard to, it's hard to argue mm-hmm. with his logic right sure so uh Robert, what do you think about that? I, I have to agree. I mean, how can you argue against that logic? I mean, I mean, I think it does. It does say, well, why would you need a road if you didn't have a vehicles that were on it or people to cross it? But well, I, I was thinking about that, and in the sense of steel manning his argument, he says specifically high capacity vehicles. High as capacity it, as in a high vehicles. capacity to cause damage. No, yeah, I would say probably yeah. high capacity. So oh. he would probably allow. I just in my opinion, he might allow. Like bicycles, bicycles, right. motorcycles, things yeah. like that. Oh, motorcycles! That'd be scary. But I will say this: I was at Silky's the other day, Eden, and the, uh, she obviously contracted some Mennonites to come down. Oh yeah, I could get out of the way of the, one of them tractors in no time right. before I would get run over. I mean, I would have to want to be have death by combine, you know. And those are only like one person vehicles, so that's yeah, not high capacity. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, so I think his argument stands. I think it does. I mean. If you're if the purpose is to reduce fatalities and reduce um, fatality by car, then absolutely, yeah, remove the cars, move, remove high capacity cars, put regulators in everybody, reduce speed limits down to a moderate amount that any person. Because what do we really want to value, right? It's the value of the person over the vehicle, the damage to the vehicle. Not to mention that the damage to the person inside the vehicle is probably horrendous, whether that's like post-traumatic stress or maybe they could actually hit somebody, veer, hit something else, things like that. But all that's eliminated if you just ban for sure those vehicles and, uh, and people. So Wayne, uh, you have to disagree with this. Yeah. Right. For people that would take the opposite position, they said, look, your proposal, you have two proposals. One is to ban the vehicles that are capable of causing pedestrians to die. Right. You say, well, we're going to limit it to, as you say, like bicycles, uh, small cars that you know, go, golf carts, things like that, that that drastically reduce the the ability to have a fatality, um, or ban people, which I presume means people from the roads, people, right? You say people pede- walking on the roads, yeah. ban pedestrians traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's illegal to walk down a railroad track. Why? Because a train can't stop. If you know, if if a train sees you walk standing on the track there. The design of it doesn't allow for it. Here's a, here's a, where I would see people have a problem with that. Um, they would say, "Look, let's talk, take banning pedestrians first off. Um, there are a few roads, the interstate and such, where where they're banned. But generally, the roads that travel through town, we would say first that the pedestrians were here before the vehicles. And this has always been, you know, this is this this argument dates back a long time. Um, you know, when cars were new." And they first started hitting people. The people said, "Look, we're, we were, these roads were made for people to walk up and down. I should have the freedom to walk down a street. Why does your new invention, you know, trump my ability to walk across the road?" And in other countries, I found out, for example, in England, uh, they don't have jaywalking laws like we do. You know, the crosswalks are, are wherever you feel like it, mm-hmm. and it's the responsibility of the drivers not to hit you because. From their perspective, the people were there first. On the other hand, the idea of banning the vehicles, um, I think I think it's it's a I hate to think of it this way, but it's a question of utility. Yes, you could end vehicle accidents overnight by just banning all vehicles, 
but you would also carry with that the banning of a tremendous good for society. Mm. And it's, the, the, sure, cars hit people sometimes and kill people sometimes, but overall, we, you know, the, the, the question for the politician is not to come in with a, a hammer and just slam things that, that seem bad, but to think about the deeper issues and say, you know, and it's a terrible choice, but measuring the value of, say, five human lives in Clarksville versus the ability of millions of car trips to do so much good. Yeah, the ec- economic impact. You, yeah. you would cripple the economy. You really you, have to yeah. put a value on human life, and you have to say that the value of the cars and people's ability to travel in those types of vehicles, the trucks, mm-hmm. things like that, outweighs those lives. And that's not a decision any of us are used to making. But if you, if you get in the government, that's kind of a decision you have to make when I it wonder, comes to a war or anything else. I wonder what, I mean, because you just said something interesting. So, obviously, the interstate is non-pedestrian traffic, but we know that people do they walk down it they hitchhike hike down it sure <clears throat> within a within a ma- major metro area maybe there's just a a, a per lane crossing ability I, you know like if it's if you get above four lanes pedestrians are no longer allowed to cross there and that's at all and that's where i would i would disagree with this com- commenter and i think people wouldn't say look you've 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 created this this false dichotomy you got to either ban all the cars or ban all the people mm-hmm. the 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 nuanced solution is you ban certain people from certain roads and you ban certain types of vehicles from certain places yeah well maybe it's just a maybe it's just a habit of the i mean how fast do you have to be going in a in a high capacity vehicle to kill somebody right i, I mean obviously obviously right. this commenter is drawing back to a gun argument he's making light of a situation he's saying that you know it's a He's drawing back to Second Amendment arguments sure. where because somebody kills with a gun, we you should pick, remove We could pick up the subtext there because you sure. just say, look, you want to you end shootings, ban all guns. Ban all guns. And yeah, some yeah. people are happy to say, yeah, let's ban all guns. And, the, and they're faced with the same problem of the, is they, they have to you know explain the utility of so banning it, all those things. So it looks like we just have to come to some sort of agreement, a balance between the value of human life and the value of our economy. Right? It's it's what it's what causes the problem. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, all right. Let's move on. All right. So I was free thinking the other day. Ooh. And I uh, came across an article from the Leaf Chronicle. Uh, said uh, the headline is Governor Bill Lee proposes two week sales tax break on dining out and groceries in a budget update. Now this hasn't gone through. But uh, the basic idea from reading the article is we're going to have a sales tax holiday for a couple of weeks. Uh, you can go out to a restaurant. You can buy groceries. And we're not going to charge you any sales tax. And reading through, reading through the comments, I came across one that uh, I found quite interesting. I'll read it in the voice that I had in my head when I saw it. Okay. That sounds like socialism. <laughs> That's the comment. It's just that simple. That sounds like socialism. So <laughs> it sounds like relatives of mine too. <laughs> so, Mike, I'm going to go to you on this. Okay. All right. Okay. So the proposal is because mm-hmm. uh, they're they're doing their budgets and such in, in here in Tennessee. Uh, the proposal is going to take a couple of weeks, and we're going to get rid of the sales tax, the taxes on uh, groceries and and dining out. This this commenter says that sounds like socialism. Mm. What do you think? So I just let me just clarify here. So the situation is that 
the state or our local or local the government, the state yeah. government here, has decided to suspend taking up taxes, at least the sales tax, for a two period of time, to, but allow for commerce to take place where yes. people set their own prices without having anything go to the state. For groceries and restaurants. For groceries and restaurants. And that this is... This guy says this sounds like socialism. This sounds like utopia, maybe. <laughs> but I do not think that this sounds like socialism. But I get, I kind of get where it's coming from. Let me build a, a case against it, okay? Okay. Socialism, by its very nature, everyone would say, what's the problem with socialism? Main thing that people would say problem with socialism is the government takes all the wealth and then redistributes it. So it can't be socialism if the government says, hey, we usually take some of your wealth. Now we're stopping. We're not going to take some of your wealth. And you guys can go out and spend it however however you wish. Okay. So I would say uh, we'll banter back and forth about this once I see, but my instinct tells me that this is not socialism. That's not not what you think of when you hear socialism. But but I'm willing to be convinced. Okay. Oh, it's absolute socialism. <laughs> All right, come 100%. on. 100 percent. Explain I mean, explain this, Robert. What is this guy well, thinking? What so do you think he's thinking? What he's thinking is is that the government is interjecting and coming so let let's take it from a Tennessee perspective, right? What other taxes Tennessee have besides sales tax? Because we don't have income. No. So yeah. they're they're canceling out the main taxation that comes from fixing everything and they're applying it out to all the people they're giving they're giving breaks to everyone for the for the sake of the good of the whole state which which would be socialist i mean it's a socialist construct to sit there and try to um rise all them tides you know it's not specific down to why 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 do multi-billionaires not need to pay sales tax but everybody else doesn't need to pay sales tax either right that would be fundamentally saying that the the Tennessee economy is being spurred on by low-income individuals because there's more people to, to help at the lower end than there are in the higher end, but that's really not the case. So it's a, it's a, it's a socialist construct because what they're trying to do is just level the playing field for everybody instead of just deciding that the state owes it to continue to tax those who can afford it and help out the the lower lower middle class mike i'm gonna i'm gonna throw something at you here to, to re- see if you can get a re- response so i i go and i google our tax breaks and i let autocomplete you know how how google does and i think it was about six seven eighth on the list our tax breaks socialism right mm-hmm. so clearly this is a question that's come up before and reading into it so it appeared socialism was defined as the government either owning or heavily regulating the means of production say mm-hmm. so if we would say that the government owned a farm you know that would be a socialist thing for a government to do um, and 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 their argument was basically this that if the government allows uh, puts a tax on a sh- on somebody selling shoes right um, and says you know if you sell shoes you got to give us 10% and says, but if you're selling groceries today, grocery store, you don't have to. That that the, that it was effectively the government inserting itself into the economy. And and while you might instinctively say, well, how is it socialist 
to not take money from businesses, the fact that they are taking it from others and choosing not to from some, this is what apparently some people think of as, as being a, a, government, a form of government regulation, a tax subsidy, as it were. Yeah, they're subsidizing. They're subsidizing those taxes because they're, in, they're instituting themselves into the private economy. They're saying that the, the taxes are going to come from the sales of goods and services, that they're going to cover that, and thus they're inserting themselves in. Does that carry any weight with you? Does that, does that make, make you think how it sounds like socialism? Maybe? Look. So as you guys were talking, so I'm, I'm feeling my conviction shifting a little bit. Okay. So let me talk you guys through it. So basically, we would all agree that it would be socialistic if the government took a percentage of our money we had on hand, mixed it all up, and then gave it back to everyone, right? We would say that that would be some form of socialism. Now, the government, instead of taking it and then giving it back, is just saying, we're not going to go through the process of taking it, so we're just going to let you keep it. But there's really no difference, right, between them letting us keep it and them taking it and giving it back. And giving it back. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've had this problem with the stimulus stuff ever since it started. Don't stimulate the economy by giving me the money I gave you back. Just stop taking my money. So, but, so, but if we would say that the stimulus in that example there is a form of socialism, then not taking the money would also be must also be a form of socialism, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So in this case, if you have the governor coming and say, listen, we're not going to take your money, but you're going to get to keep it, he's basically saying you're going to keep the money you already had because we're not going to take it. I mean, that seems like a could be could be. To, could be could be thought of as a. To be honest, I feel like we've devalued the word socialism. Just to mean anything that the government does that I don't like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way, you could say, "Well, that's fascist." Fascist has just become a word that's being devalued to say, "Oh, it's anything the government does that I don't like." Well, um, but uh, here it, it is direct government interference, manipulation of the economy. He could have mm-hmm. said, "I want I'm going to declare a sales tax holiday for video games or for shoes or for some other industry." Sure. Right? Cars, actually, cars was a proposal. Um, I'm sure all the car lots would love it if they got to say, sales tax holiday, come mm-hmm. buy a new car. Oh, right. sure, sure, sure. So would all the uh, hotels. Yeah. Everybody that struggled through the COVID pandemic. I mean, we all, we've all. If he said a sales tax holiday, period, for all, I don't think anyone would say that that's socialism because it's it's complete deregulation. Yeah, that's the point I was Getting just rid of taxes make, altogether. Because so. it's only on particular things, it's still. Yeah, putting the thumb on the scale for one industry as compared to another. Exactly. Maybe what socialism. the guy. Uh, Okay. He, you know, to break it. I'm open. I'm open for more. It's the kind uh, of comment that made me snort when I first read it. <laughs> like, what, and then I start Googling. I start thinking about it. I'm like, oh, you know what? Yeah. Made me think. Hid, that was a hidden gem. I made me think. Later tonight when I'm going to bed, I'm going to think of Wayne snorting. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, there you that's, go. A good, that's a good sound. All right, everybody, welcome back. And I want to bring up a topic with you guys, something I kind of had to dig deep to do, uh, to find, but it is, revolves around House Bill 0323. I encourage everybody to look it up. It's related to a case um, that came up in Clarksville about a 15-year-old girl that was raped by two 13-year-old boys. Um the case was completed, I think, in 2019, where the boys were sentenced to six months of probation apiece, which caused um, the family of the victim 
to escalate it to the House Legislature through our Representative Jason Hodges, who is passing House Bill 0323, for an immediate one-year holding in Department of Children's Services for guilty offenders of sex crimes. Minors, right? Just minors. If you're you're in minor court, juvenile court, you get fined um, guilty of a sex crime. So when I was reading through the articles, there weren't a lot of comments, okay? Uh, there was very minimal comments. But what I really wanted to show was the leading comment that I saw. And I wanted to bring this up. So I'm going to try to throw you guys a little bit of a curveball. Okay. Because I'm going to apply a little bit of my own instance into this comment. The comment is, those boys need to learn a few lessons the hard way, exclamation mark. Okay. I've always kind of had this thing with comments that come up when we, especially, I, I think, I think when we especially talk about rape cases, whether it's rape or child molestation or anything like that. I want to see what your opinion is on this. I think that the judicial system allocates appropriately punishments for people for these specific cases, but the populace, the populace of a certain community tend to regard true justice to come at the expense and at the hands of other offenders. So I want to see what your kind of concept is there, because I read into a comment like that where, yes, they're going to get a punishment, but they need a hard punishment. The judicial system wouldn't punish them in the way that the people are acting or are requesting a punishment. And I see this across the board, right? They're looking for other offender, what we would call justification, right? Like, like jailhouse justification, justice right. coming through. So I guess my question is, do you agree that punishment extended beyond the bench at the hands of other criminals is an ethical approach to rehabilitation in the justice system. Wayne, come on. All right. <laughs> you pick me, uh, and, I'll, and I'll keep this uh, confined to, let's forget about the facts of the specific case, yeah. what may or may not have happened. Or yep. what, uh, uh, but as to, as to the general comment, I... You know, he it, it's it's vague but ominous. You know, these boys need to be taught a hard lesson. You know, I've seen much worse, much graphically worse. And you know, I I have the cons. I I I would push back against the the folks that say those kinds of things or even glorify the idea that yeah, the, the justice system, right? That that where we develop laws, we have specific punishments for specific crimes. That that's somehow incapable of actually handling the bad issues in society, mm -hmm. and so we must depend on what we call extrajudicial punishments, right? The idea, and it's, it's, this sees its glorification—the idea of things like Batman, you know, this fantasy of some, you know, if I were just rich and trained like a ninja. I would go out and beat criminals half to death with my bare hands and forget all this judge and jury and jails and things yeah. like that. Vigilante justice. Yeah. Vigilante justice. And it's morphed into this idea that the you know people don't actually receive true justice in the courtroom in front of a judge, being convicted by a jury, things like that. That what, what we're really depending upon are a bunch of criminals in the jail we hope that they. Oh, the, we hope this guy gets beat up in jail, or this woman gets beat up in jail, or even worse things to happen to the men and women in in prison uh, at the hands of other pr prisoners. And 
it's so common that it's, you know it's something people glorify, something people hope for, some people feel right in expressing uh, in social media and otherwise, or even make jokes about. Um, and it goes against civilization to me. Sure. The idea uh, we don't want you know that kind of vigilante justice, and we surely don't want criminals who themselves have already been judged by society and taken out of society because they weren't able to follow the laws. Um, to be to to then depend on them to apply some sort of higher level of justice, it's it's absurd. It makes no sense. To I me. I appreciate that input, Mike. Obviously, you think that you know this hardline defense, you know, a part of rehabilitation in jails is is good, and and people do need the hard way of justice. I think that a case can be made as this person is try- in support of the position that this person is taking. Uh, I want to build my my steel man of, of this argument uh, under this idea. In order to properly punish someone, you must have experienced yourself something that uh, you can relate to. So for, say, a jury that has maybe not, con- can is not, does not consist of a criminal's peer. So if you say a jury of in people have never committed crimes, judging people who have committed crimes, they may not be able to evaluate the severity of the the crime or the attention that the the actor, the person that's being punished, um, what they actually deserve because they don't have that frame of reference. Right. So once those people have gone through the soft court system, which we might call it, the the court system where we say we've written these laws to the best of our ability you've done this act that meets this criteria we're going to send you to prison so they've gotten through that right but then the people inside the prison they have an understanding of what it means not only to be victims of crimes or to be perpetrators of crimes but to understand um, what punishment means to people who are able to commit those type of crimes you can't punish someone if you don't understand what would be punishment to them, so someone who commits a certain type of crime, say like in this case, uh, rape, they might not be punished by just being confined to a particular area. So maybe then they, maybe the people know that that are in jail, and they might visit them on the pun- punishment that would actually be effective to them. Sure. So, so uh, uh, from the perspective of the person leaving the comment uh, and, and your elaboration on it, I would I would take this idea that say a judge who's the the judges in tennessee are in charge of the punishments uh uh, they they used to be a jury actually but they took that away from them in most cases but you're right i think a judge would be the sort of person typically furthest removed from what it would be like to be either the criminal or the victim that is if we found out that a judge had been the victim of this particular type of crime that this person's accused of, mm-hmm. we would say he shouldn't be fit to, to pick the punishment, to be biased right, because he was personally yeah. involved as a victim. Well, I think, well, I, I, do judges consider this, though, from the bench, you know, in, in, in the facets that they understand their judicial system, right? Like if you are handing down a judicial order from the bench, knowing that you're about to send, um, a child molester or a rapist in this in this case it's a minor there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance there but we're i'm just trying to get to the whole right 
if you are if you are executing an order for this person to go into general population in a jail, are you sentencing them through your own understanding of the judicial system and jail mentalities to a beating, to a physical altercation with other jail inmates because this is what happens in jail? And is that is that the hard way of the that's punishment? A, that's an interesting perspective. Like, I wouldn't assume that that would be the case, but then that's my naivete i mean our, a judge would certainly know what happens behind behind bars right our constitution says you know prohibits cruel and unusual punishments mm-hmm. why because it used to be you would get all the, the people had throughout history come up with all kinds of creative cruel and unusual punishments too horrific for me to even talk about cruel and unusual punishments but only by the state per, per, done by the state done right? by the state uh, officially in public um and there seem to be a lot of people who Hope that those punishments are still being carried out, but this time not in public and not by officials, but sure. in private by other criminals. So there, the, I just, I just would like to just you know circle back and say I would like everyone in the audience to go and look up House Bill zero three two three, putting being put forth by Jason Hodges, and really kind of conceptualize when you make these comments in a, you know an open forum like Facebook. Think about what you're saying, you know, like think about what the argument you're you're producing is. Do you really want justice to be served at the hands of other offenders for offenders that are, you know, adequately judged by the judicial system? And that's my stuff. All right. We are joined today by a very special guest here in the studio, Councilwoman Colonel Tricia Butler who we found out yesterday became a Kentucky colonel. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> Glad to have you, Trish. Uh, colonel Butler, uh, we went over <laughs> several stories today, the first of which being pedestrian deaths here in Clarksville, and a commenter proposing, hey, we really only have two options, ban cars or ban people. What do you think? That was just nuance, which I think you guys covered. Right. Um, huge problem in the city, something that we definitely need to find a fix for, and I had mentioned that I am a fan of the bridges. Yeah, over, the, uh, over the, the walkways over the road. Yeah, I like that. I think we should there look into that. It was a good compromise. Uh, well, the next story, Robert, what was your story again? My story was about um, oh, uh, House Vigilante Bill Zero. Justice. Yeah, Vigilante Justice. Yeah, sure. the idea that, that, that we're turning over real justice to the to the criminals that are locked that We lock oh, them all up together and let them sort it out. You ever run into this kind of thing? How can I go through this one quickly? Um, so the I kind of helped get the person connected to get that bill moving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really terrible story. But like you said, you were going based on the one comment. Um, I think that humans are mammals. And when it comes to justice, there are just some crimes that even once the person, even even if we did, you know, put them in the electric chair, there are going to be some people who emotionally will not even accept that as as a suitable punishment. Sure, there are just crimes that you can't fix. You know what I mean? So that's I think that's probably what I'd say about that one. Okay, our last story was uh, mine uh, about the proposed tax holiday and the feeling by one commenter that it sounds like socialism. What do you think of that? I think, first of all, that I could not keep my composure in the corner over there while you were saying that. 
Um, I that one. You guys, with your talking, you got me thinking. I think I would have to put a little bit more thought into that. As soon as I hear the term uh, tax holiday, I'm like, yes, because right. I'm a libertarian. Okay. But then when you when you get into specifying a particular uh, business, right. then I'm like, uh, what if we put it like through the year and we have like a different holiday for each industry? Or just and a permanent tax holiday for everybody? Always. Yeah. Just abolish it. It sounds like a libertarian thing to say. Yes, well, I, I, I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, <laughs> Thank, Thank you. so much, Councilwoman. And... Uh, and yeah, maybe have back again sometime. It was a good time. Thanks. Let us know when all the colonels get together. We want to come do the well, re- reenactment the of the war. So, Robert, did you learn anything today? I learned a great deal, especially about the the excessiveness of motor vehicle accidents in in our community. I really didn't know it was that bad. So glad to hear about that. Mike, anything stand out today? Did you learn anything? Yes, about? I am much more on the fence than I thought I would be concerning. Uh, tax holidays and socialism and their, and their connection to socialism yeah, yeah. i yeah. just uh when you when you presented that in the beginning i was like oh i know exactly what it, what this is but i'm not as convinced as i was well today i learned that a uh, local councilwoman trisha butler has uh, sworn allegiance to the kentucky commonwealth, uh, commonwealth yeah um mm-hmm. and is a colonel there which mm-hmm. i think presents some real problems is for she a local politician yeah is she having dual loyalty with, uh, Clarksville, I, you decide. Is she regular yeah, or is she extra, extra crispy? I, I live mean, three which miles recipe? from. I live three miles from the state border, and I'm mm. all about. I'm all about working together. So there. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. She's well. building a bridge. If, Let's uh, see what happens during the tax holiday if she still drives into Kentucky to pay I, their sales I, tax. <laughs> Support that comment. Do you know that Kentucky does not charge taxes on like food and stuff right sounds like socialism sounds like socialism all right guys if uh if, it, if anyone else wants to have their comment or a comment that they see online featured uh, how can they get our attention robert uh we set up a hashtag so it's hashtag f-t-o-c okay so if you're in clarksville now if you're in leaf chronicle if you're in the tennis tennessean and you think man this argument is something that these guys need to talk about hit that hashtag in there we'll scope it out if it drives to our attention, we'll load it up on the show. Hashtag FTOC, Freethinkers of Clarksville. Freethinkers of Clarksville.